Hello, you're listening to Dragonfly Heart Medicine Radio, a place where like-minded people come together to discuss spirituality, awakening, plant medicine, and more. Hello, everyone. I hope you are doing well wherever you are. And thank you for tuning in to the podcast, whether you are listening or watching. Thank you for supporting Dragonfly Heart Medicine and the podcast. I am Kristen. And today, my guest is, I feel like I say the same thing every time. I was like, my guest is so special this time. But I feel like they all are special and unique. And they wouldn't be here, you know, if they weren't. Um, And so I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself and just share a little bit about why she's on the podcast today and you could be doing something else, you know, why are you here? Thank you, Kristen. I'm Evelina Rose and I think we're all special. I've been doing what I call metatherapy for 43 years, which is really helping people constitute their whole self, gather up parts of us that got lost in traumas and bring it all to now to really live from our empowered self. And I've also been doing channeled readings for about 37 years, channeling the Council of Twelve, which allows people an audience with these wise beings to collaborate about their life. And they work with people's business and also with every area of life to help people develop really your ability to make choices and to trust yourself and to grow a a higher sense of who you really are, your authentic self. Mm. And I love being here. When COVID hit, what I heard was elders to the fore. And I feel like I've been kind of on assignment from spirit to just offer what I know and the wisdom of all my years of work and support people in moving through these very unprecedented times so that we discover the resources that help us to actually not just survive, but really thrive in these times. Yes, I feel like so many of us are kind of in survival mode Mm -hmm. um, with everything going on and less and thrive and less and flow, but that's something that, you know, can shift and it's definitely important for anyone and everyone to be sharing the wisdom that they've gained um you know especially our elders and looking to them for their wisdom and knowledge and you know realizing too we're not alone that we have plenty of people out there like you who are feeling called to you know spread this so that we don't have to go through this alone and i like how you talked about bringing trauma into the present so we can work, work through that. Um, can you elaborate on some of how you, what are some ways you go about doing that with people? So when I work with trauma, it's changed over the years. My work keeps changing, which is part of what keeps me passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And with trauma, it used to be going into the past and reliving and working it through in the body. But then I had someone say, when I was channeling, she said, Aphrodite, who happened to be one of the beings I was channeling at the moment, it's not fair. We spend our whole childhood going through this stuff and then we waste our adulthood on trying to get over it. There's gotta be a better way. And the guide said, we'll take it under advisement. And because they're growing with us. 
they're evolving as we're evolving. Mm -hmm. And so the next thing I knew, we would do what, what is a very quick soul retrieval. So we locate where a part of the soul gets caught in time and a trauma. And so there's a scene that just comes up all the time. And we locate the scene, the adult gets really grounded. And then the adult and divine mother step into that scene, go to the child, love them up, help them know I'm the adult you've grown up to, I've come to take care of you. And then would you like to come live with me in your future, my present? And then divine mother brings that part of the soul essence through space and time, all the way through space and time to the current day into the heart. And the angels make a perfect child's room in the heart for them often with a big rocking chair for Divine Mother. And they breathe in the love and they give all the feelings of that time to Divine Mother. So now the trauma is in the past and that part of the soul that was caught in it is here being nurtured. And it's just a much faster way to clear trauma. Yeah, so, and that sounds so beautiful. It is, it is. Instead of, you know, yeah. Instead of getting stuck in that reliving and getting stuck in, you know, constant loops and spirals of that time period and feeling that inner child who really needs a lot of love, but not really sure. So I'm. All right. Sorry, everyone. We had some technical difficulties, um, but we are back. And so, yeah, I was just saying how. I think that does sound um, really beautiful, that way of looking at trauma instead of forcing ourselves to relive things and remember the specific things that happen to release it, that it can be shifted in a different, more loving way that makes the child feel safer to actually then come, you know, and be with us and integrate. And I think inner child healing right now is thrown around a lot in the spiritual community, but I don't think everyone really fully knows what that always entails. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And what else, what else do you like to share with people? Well, I want to say that I feel this also helps clear a lot of things around people's business or about their relationships because people say I got triggered and then they're react, they're acting, they're in reactivity. But my sense about dissociation is when you're triggered, part of you leaves. And the part that leaves is the part with all the skills. Because the point of dissociation as a child was to protect the essence nature. And so that which is your essence nature leaves. And the one that stays is the wounded child. So you get triggered, you're in the child. Now your child's trying to handle life without your assistance. And so when you bring the child into current time, then there's a whole lot less of being triggered, but also it, you can work with them to help them understand that I can handle this. I got this. And I'll often have people put one hand over their heart and one over their dantian, just below the navel and go, I got this for the, for the child, because most of them never had an adult on duty. Mm -hmm. And it takes a little bit to learn that, oh, there really is someone here taking care of business. But if they're in the past, they can't feel that. If they're in the present, then they get it. That makes so much sense mm -hmm. that, you know, 
it's like part of us leaves during, you know, when we're triggered and then that, that child's left behind and not really sure what to do. And yeah, so I had never really fully thought about it in that lens. Um, I think it starts to get easier. Like, I feel like I am like my inner child, at least the one that's the most traumatized. It's almost as though they don't even fully like feel safe, even with me. It's like, they don't quite trust me yet that I am actually going to stay and not leave when things get difficult emotionally or whatever. So it's been a really interesting journey. Right. And if they get left in the past, it feels like you've left. Mm-hmm. You see, and if you bring them into now, there's a constancy of presence that can grow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we really start changing. I really think of of our ability now. There's so many new therapies, new ways of growing, new possibilities. I feel what we're doing is helping constitute a strong core self. And so we just gather up wherever we got lost and bring it into now and really focus on coming into the core and connecting to the light of our soul, to deep grounding, to be able to hold this sense of, oh, I'm in the middle of my life. I get to live it from the center. Because I think a lot of people are kind of running their life remote control. (laughs) You know, they're out here somewhere. Trying to make it work. <laughs> I can relate. That has been me for the majority of my life is I have lived so much in my head. And I didn't real I didn't fully realize how much I still do that until some circumstances presented them presented themselves this year. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I still really do spend a lot of time up here. And so practicing, you know, being fully like embodied and being in my physical body and being grounded. Um, it's a very unfamiliar feeling. It's very foreign. So a lot of times I will do something so that I don't, I'm not as grounded just because it's something that I'm not used to feeling. Right. We tend to go back to what, what feels like norm. Mm-hmm. So often in a channeling or a therapy session, if we make a big change, we, we're, we're now being thoughtful to talk to the ego because the ego's job is to compare everything that's happening past to future and create status quo. So we say, ego, we, we want you to know we're setting a new normal. This is a new baseline. So you don't have to change it back to how, what you're used to. Just change it back to this now. And it brings them into current time. And we'll often invite radiant guides and angels to work with the person to recalibrate all their chakras and all their energies to current time, to the heart of their soul, to connection to the heart of earth and to current time so that we're all the things we've learned and grown are applied now mm-hmm. instead of finding ourselves pulled off by these other, other experiences which I actually think are more dissociated selves. Yes, and not leaving the ego out of things, you know, bringing the ego in and saying, hey, like, it's okay, this is our new normal now. We, we don't have to, you know, this thing this that we've lived for so long is the, you know, the old way of things and making sure we include them in the conversation. I feel like um, also in the spiritual community, there's a, quite a group of people who label the ego as something that is bad 
and something mm-hmm. that we don't ever want to really rely on or utilize. Mm-hmm. However, it's still a really important part of us that is just trying to, you know, keep us alive. And so bringing that into the conversation too, I, I like that piece. I love a phrase from Lazarus who channeled many years ago. And he would say the negative ego thinks it's the CEO, but it's really the mailroom clerk. So it's very important. It brings messages in and out and helps us relate to the world. But you want to get the reins of control and give them to higher self because it's really not the one to run the show. Right. Mm-hmm. I also feel that with a conscious mind. So we'll often talk to the conscious mind and sometimes just help the conscious mind understand that the heart also has wisdom. Mm-hmm. In heart math, they say there's 10,000 more neuronal pathways in the heart than the conscious mind. So the wisdom of the heart, the kinesthetic wisdom, our hunches, that there are many, many, and intuition, many more sources for information and wisdom than just the mind. And it kind of lets the mind relax a little. Mm. It's like, oh, I don't have to be everything. Mm, Absolutely. I know my mind has so many different roles. It thinks that it has to play. Like if something's wrong, like with me physically, it automatically goes into like doctor mode. And it's just like comparing this current situation to any of the ones that I've had in the past and or projecting things even worse that it may be and you know it just goes into things and so yeah it's like letting the mind know like hey you don't have to wear all of these hats you don't have to be all of these things it's okay to relax a little bit you know thank you for you know tr- you know being there and thank you for you know whatever you're saying but it's okay you can take a step back and to to learn that the the conscious mind can work with body mind too the body mind is made up of the dantian, just below the navel, halfway between the navel and the base of the spine. It's called the body wisdom center. It's made up of that and the nuclei and all the cells. So if you have something going on physically, it might be good to talk to the body mind, mm-hmm. which is a little closer to the scene, you know, to find out what's really going on and ask things like, what's the message here? Or body-mind, what do you need? Sometimes we'll ask body-mind to bring in from higher mind a new, du- a new blueprint for healing. So the, you know, now you've got higher mind and intuition and body-mind working together to figure it out along with your, your conscious mind. So then it becomes more of a collaboration instead of isolating these parts, you know, but taking the wisdom from all of them to combine them for the best message in the present. Beautiful, beautiful way to say it. I know for me, I don't know, can't speak for everybody else, but I think I have neglected my body for so long that Mm. now that I'm coming back to it, it's like we have to re relearn how to communicate with one another. And I remember, I, I forgot to tell this at the beginning, but um, Evelina and I met at a women's retreat. Was it a year ago? Year and a half? Like August or something of last year? Is that right? Yeah. And she taught this lovely um, technique of muscle testing mm-hmm. to help communicate with the body. And 
I've started to use that a lot and it is super beneficial um, because the body does have a lot of wisdom and a lot to say. And I feel like it's a really easy way to communicate. Could you explain that a little bit? Sure. I'd love to. So the muscle testing allows you and your body to create a communication system. And so when I start to do it, I talk to my body mind, talk to my body and say, I want to develop a communication with you. And it's a yes, no communication. It's based on the sense that whatever's good for you makes you strong and whatever's not good for you makes you weak. And so you ask your body to give you a good, clear yes and what we'll do, and everyone can do this if they want, is make a circle with one hand and a circle with the other, and you loop them. And then you ask your body-mind to give you a really clear yes. And a, a yes should be strong, and it's really hard to break. Yeah. You have been practicing. <laughs> <laughs> and a no, and then give me a clear no. And a no is so weak, you can't hold it. And you start with practicing things like, is my name John? Is my name Evelina? So you get the reinforcement of not, you know, no and yes. And, and then just use it a lot on, on whatever questions. When I am in a restaurant and I see various options on the menu, I'll go, okay, body, do you want the salmon? Do you want the flounder? Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Uh, body, could I have the French fries today? Would that be okay with you? Okay. <laughs> how about the how about the sweet potato fries? Okay. So we narrow what we're what we're ordering down to what is going to feel really compatible with the body, which also encourages it to communicate with you this way, because it gets its way more often. Mm -hmm. I use it with vitamins. I use it with um, even do I want to go to such and such and such a place? Or body, do you feel up to it? And I might get a yes, I might get a no. So it's building a, um, a relationship with your body with a way to answer yes, no questions. Mm -hmm. I love that. amazing demonstration of this at a workshop where you know they were doing this kind of applied mm -hmm. kinesiology, which is the same thing. Something good for you makes you strong and something not makes you weak. And they had 10 people in a line and this end couldn't see the ones on this end. They were all holding hands. And so they would muscle test the one out of sight here. They would, they would muscle test the one out of sight here. And then they'd put a cigarette in the hand of this one and this one would go weak. Mm. or they'd put sugar and it'd go weak or they'd put something healthy and it would go strong wow <laughs> without even seeing it yeah, yeah. Mm. i know i practice i like the idea of using it like at a restaurant because i tend to usually be torn between two or three different things and so it's like which one is my body really wanting which one do i want are we going to agree on one thing and um, like last night I went out to like a Mexican restaurant and I was torn between the enchiladas and this other like chicken dish and I could feel the pull for the enchiladas was a little bit stronger, but I was like, no, but I, I've never had, I haven't had this chicken dish before. And I didn't, I mean, it's not like it made me sick or anything, but I didn't feel so good after eating the chicken dish. And if I would have done muscle testing, I may have, 
you know, come out with enchiladas or more what my body was wanting. And I was wanting to try something different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that pull may have been your body speaking to you. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. Body has wisdom in our heart and our minds, right? It's all, all connected. Um, and I know we were talking a little bit before we started recording and you mentioned you also might want to discuss um, the topic of being an empath and especially during this time and you know, how to move through the challenges that we're facing. Beautiful. So being an empath is really hard right now unless you know how to keep your energy field really sovereign because there's so much fear and angst and and challenges that people are dealing with especially coming into the autumn when we didn't really have a summer so people are are just full of all kinds of reactivity and empaths tend to pick up other people's emotions they pick up what's going on in someone else's body i what i've been teaching people and i've got a whole series of classes on my website is ways of building a sovereign energetic field, which I think is different than shielding or protecting. Because if you're protecting, you've already given power to what you're protecting from because you're in a battle mode with it. But mm -hmm. it's bringing your own light in and everyone might just imagine calling for a crystalline waterfall of sparkling iridescent light to wash through you. And that's a good way to get clear from whatever you're already carrying. And then you can bring in light from your being and just surround you, make a really s strong sphere of light around you. And the more that you do that, the more sovereign it becomes, the stronger it becomes. And you wanna remember to do behind you as well. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we take people's in energy in through our chakras, through cords from the chakras, which have a lot of value, like that's how a mother knows her baby's needs her when she hasn't heard a sound, is through those energetic cords. But to really be sovereign, you want to clear all the old cords. And you can just go through each chakra and clear them front and back. I have a free meditation on my homepage that guides you through that process. I also have a free empath meditation. The first one is free. So what, what I feel for people who are empaths is to give themselves permission to really be in their own body and their own field, grounded, centered, connected to their light and keeping it strong around them. Mm. So this also, I think, relates to trauma because the more I work with empaths, the more I realize that how we got that way, me included, is we had enough trauma or chaos in our childhood that we learned to go out to people to try to figure out what's going on with them. So this vigilance of, oh, is this gonna blow up or is that one gonna be, you know, am I too cute? Am I gonna get hurt now? Whatever that is, we've got that vigilance going. And so we tend to go out to people to understand them rather than pay attention from inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's the big shift, I think, is that I don't have to go out. I can observe, 
I can feel, my heart can sense. I can use all these means of knowing without going into another person's energy field and taking on their pain or their suffering. Absolutely. That's such a good way to kind of explain things. I am um, an empath, a pretty strong one, and I'm also a high school science teacher. And my first several years of teaching, I had absolutely terrible anxiety Mm. and depression Mm -hmm. and all of these things. And I was carrying it as though it was mine. When really, like looking back, probably only maybe a fourth to a half of what I was carrying was actually mine. But I did not know about the subtle energy fields. I didn't know. I didn't even really do much yoga or meditation or, you know, any of the things that I do now, saging, Mm -hmm. you know, to clear my energy field. So I ended up getting burnout and taking two years off. And now I'm back teaching again, because that's just what spirit told me, you know, you need to be back, especially now during this pandemic, they need teachers like you. And my experience is entirely different. I hardly struggle with anxiety. My students are very like much more well-behaved. They're not as anxious because I'm not, you know, carrying all of this stuff with me. And there may be a day or two sometimes where I do get really overwhelmed, but I know, you know, why now and, um, but it's so much easier to not be in my, like I mentioned before, not be in my body and to just kind of like jump around <laughs> to other people. That's interesting. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're there teaching. We need conscious people in our schools, mm-hmm. you know, to help, to help the students. And just by your being more centered, they're more able to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and that is what some students said to me like one day I mentioned the principal was going to be coming in to do an observation and one teacher was like oh so we can't be ourselves that day I was like, you can still be yourself like it's the principal like it's not like you're going to get in trouble for being like yourself they were just they thought they had to act differently in other words and so yeah it's just been really interesting but um what else do you want to touch on in any of these topics of um, the trauma or the empath or Um, the mind and the heart intuition connecting all that together. Well, I wanted to share what I found early on in the pandemic is I would wake up anxious. Mm. I would come out of sleep and I would just be, oh, what? What's going on? I I don't feel like myself. And And that was recognizing that I had merged with some of the energies that other people were feeling. So I want to say to people, if you're feeling a way that doesn't feel like you, clear your auric field. Take a moment and bring through light and and cleanse and release anyone else's energy that's in your field. I had an experience of doing a, a dance online where we were sending our energies out to the whole planet to to just you know, send love and healing and light. And then we quit. We finished. And I was like, ah, all over the place. So I went for a walk. It took me about 30 minutes to get myself back. Finally, it was like, that didn't feel good. I gave them all that love. So I asked angels to fill all the spaces so I could pull myself back in. They 
kind of wind myself back to myself. Yes, that part is really important. I feel like a lot of times in healing work or in ceremonies or meditation circles or whatever it may be, we're really good at opening the container and opening the space and connecting to everything. And then we forget at the end, we need to like close off that energy so that we're not continuing to, to leak things or to be connected to other people. It's a good reminder. Absolutely. I had a lover that when we'd spend a weekend together afterwards, we'd, we'd each go to our own homes. All we could do was write poetry. <laughs> and we realized we were so merged that we didn't have ourselves back. And so we started a ritual every time we finished a weekend together of I give you your energy back and I take mine home with me. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my workshops and especially my spiritual mentorship because we're really connected and close with people, we'll take time to go through and just I honor you, I bless you, and I release you from each chakra and literally let go of the other people from every chakra and bring our own energy in around us, which just allows us to walk away whole and complete and filled with ourselves. And it honors the other people. They get themselves back. Mm-hmm. So that's closing of the container. Yeah, and the more often we do it, then we start to, re- we start to be you know, we start to actually recognize those subtleties, like, oh, like, I feel, you know, different after, you know, kind of taking a moment to make sure I've regained my energy after spending time with a, a partner or even a friend or family or anyone. Mm-hmm. If you're that empathetic, you know, sometimes we just, just soak up things like a sponge, even though we're not necessarily trying to. Um, and yeah, so just taking that time to pause, right? And it doesn't have to be long at all, right? Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. And I actually think we can take on energy more from family. Like someone wants to help a family member with a headache. They may take it on where they wouldn't have with a client because with the client, step into your kind of your professional self and maybe do wrap your light around you and you let them go when, when you leave. With family member, you just merge with it. And then you've got two people with a headache or they don't, but you do. So I think it's really important with family and loved ones to check in and go, well, wait a minute, is this all me? Oh, I, w- I want to let their energy go. And you can do it whether they know you're doing it or not. Just mm-hmm. go down through the chakras. Yes. And it really can be that simple just to, just to notice and just say, I release you know, you from my chakras. You don't always have to do like a very in-depth ritual or anything like that. These can be really subtle, really simple things. And thank you for sharing. Yeah. At the end of my channelings, I will often, um, I, I thank the guides and bless them and ask they continue to work with the person. And then I ask the realms of light to bless this earth with radiant love and light that all beings may open their heart and live from love. Mm-hmm. And I'm using that to come in, not go out. Mm-hmm. And most people have their eyes closed because it's kind of like a prayer. And I just go down like this through all the chakras. And then I've got me back. Mm-hmm. So it's that fast once you, once you know it and you keep doing it. 
So I, yeah, and a, a really easy way to start the process is just maybe every few hours, just pause for a couple minutes and just feel your energy, sense if it really feels like you or if something's off and choosing to, just choosing to release it too. I feel like sometimes I get really attached to whatever it is and I want to analyze it and be like, well, where did this come from? Is this me? Is this someone else's? Is, am I like, how, you know, remembering something from the past? Is it PTSD? Is it, and then I just get like really stuck in my mind instead of just, oh, well, this doesn't feel like mine. So I'm just going to let it go. And I don't need to spend so much time analyzing it. And even if it is mine, I can choose to just let it go. I don't have to resist, you know, so much and fight against it and try to analyze every um, bit and piece of that feeling or emotion. And I figure if you let it go and it goes, done. If you mm -hmm. let it go and it comes back, then you can analyze it. Right. What it, what it has to teach you or what's, what, what's going on underneath it. But I go the easiest way first. I release this. Oh, yes. good, clear, done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because to me, so much of living our authentic life is finding now, to just keep coming to now, coming to now. Mm -hmm. You know, we, our ego takes us into past and future and trying to understand people takes you outside yourself. But where all the power is, is in now, that moment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, life is happening now. <laughs> the past is just exists as memories, which are usually sometimes can even be like misconstrued anyway. We don't remember things exactly how they happened. Or, you know, the future doesn't really exist yet. And a lot of people are living with one foot in one and the other or both. And it can be very, you know, disorienting. Most of, once again, most of my life, I've spent like doing that dance of like being in the past, being in the future, being in the past, being in the future. And, it's, um, and that's part of why I like body movement so much, like dance or yoga, because it helps to like integrate everything and really bring you into the present moment. Because if you're not fully in the present moment, like you could hurt yourself, you can trip, you can fall, stumble, you know, but you can bring, or even like I used to do trail running too, because there were so many like roots and things that you had to watch out for. So if you weren't fully present, you could easily trip. Uh, whereas running on the treadmill, you know, you didn't have to put quite as much attention into it. Good point, good point. Life is now. We're only guaranteed now. We don't know when, you know, something could shift and we might not be here anymore. I think dance, ecstatic dance, Sufi dancing early and then ecstatic dance is really what's allowed me to evolve to where I am. It's so important because like you say, it gets you into now. It helps you find your body. Mm -hmm. It, you know, especially if you've got someone leading it or the songs that are inspirational. To me, it just uplifts me. I feel, I, I dance three to four to five or six times a week. And maybe twenty minutes, but but I do. Yeah, because I grew up dancing. It was my first like medicine, you know, that I learned. And um, you know, I haven't danced as much over the past few years for various reasons or excuses that I want to make up. But um, I attended a a like a, a business makeover pleasure play date thing yesterday, and we are making a list of like all the things that bring us pleasure whether it's in our business and in our lives. And I wrote this huge list and I just had a moment and I was like, wow, I have all of these things that bring me pleasure and I'm only doing two or three of them. 
No wonder I feel so overwhelmed and, um, you know, not like not fully aligned. I'm not doing the things that I love. And of course, the excuse that I always give is I don't have enough time. But yes, I do. (laughs) It's just a matter of do I make that as much of a priority as some of the other things? So it's got me re kind of recalibrating and reworking in my head what I want my week to actually look like. You know, what day, what, what time do I want to motivate, uh, not motivate, what time of the day do I want to dedicate to doing something? Like I already have yoga every day, but like setting a time where I can paint or sing or dance. And even if it's only 10 minutes, you know, that's something. And I love that you love dance. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And it's so transformative and you can move a lot of energy through dance. Absolutely. You can speak with your body when you don't know what to say in words to you it's like dance is a universal language mm-hmm. and i dance online a lot and mm-hmm. sometimes with the people in their little boxes but often just with me mm-hmm. guided by really good um facilitators mm-hmm. and so i dance online or i may dance in person but it's so important so important mm-hmm. the birds agree all right well one moment i looked down at my laptop and the battery was almost dead and i didn't want it to cut off um but i've lost track of how much time we've actually been speaking for but um it feels kind of like we're ending um or coming to a good stopping point is there any last um, wisdom you want to share before we close? I have this thought of sharing that you can reach into your transpersonal chakra and just like there's a, a globe of light above your head and spread it around your energy field. That's a really good way to be sovereign and just help use that to help build that energy field. Mm-hmm. So that comes... And I have put a lot of my legacy of 40-some years on my website. So I encourage people, there's free videos, there's poetry and writings and channelings and and meditations, one of which is called Femifesting, which is Mm -hmm. to, you know, manifest, you go from here to what you want to create. Femifest, you just... Drop deep into now and then get teleported into the future where it's already done. And you get to experience it done and then that sets an anchor that brings your life toward it. So there's a bunch of meditations on femifesting. The mm-hmm. one on, on um, prosperity is free. So I just want people to use those resources. The more that they're out there, the better for all of us. Yes, absolutely. And there will be a link to her website in the description. So definitely please check it out and get some support in these areas. We're not meant to do all of this alone. There's so many people out there who have resources that we can help each other with. Mm-hmm. And I do an online satsang, which is a gathering of wisdom seekers once a month. Um, it'll be next Thursday. And uh, I'll, I'll give you that information, 12 to 2 Eastern. 
And that's a beautiful way. The first one's free. It's a beautiful way to sit with these amazing beings and have them collaborate with you about your life. So come join me. Mm, yes. Sounds lovely. I might possibly come to one of them. When, wait, what, when did you say that was? Next Thursday, the 28th. Thursday. Okay. Yeah. I, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And thanks to everyone listening or watching. Love and blessings. And I'll see you next time.